The following episode of the 9pm edict contains a bit of strong language, politics, trolls, and even a tiny, tiny bit of Andrew Bolt. Saturday, the 19th of February, 2022. The summer series continues with special guest Leo Puglisi. He's the young lad from Melbourne who founded and runs Six News Australia and who's been copping flack on social media from all manner of politically motivated trolls. He's someone at high school having a go and he's incredibly enthusiastic. We're not going from TV on ABC that happens to also stream on YouTube. We are made for the digital age. Leo and his team are already planning for the federal election. It's going to be a hugely interesting thing to watch and I'll be on the ground. But of course, yes, he's been targeted by the trolls. People have said, you know, I am am controlled by a liberal staffer or I'm controlled by my parents. This is the 9pm Kuyong election preview and media troll fight with Leo Puglisi. Ah, uh, yeah, and before I start, an apology. Leo's computer decided to record using his headphone mic rather than the good microphone. He checked... But I didn't cross-check, and for some reason I didn't notice until nearly the end of our conversation. So that's both A, uh, incredibly unprofessional on my part, and B, cause for an apology. I'm sorry for the dodgy audio. I'm implementing a checklist so it doesn't happen again. Tonight, breaking news, Super Saturday, four by-elections held in New South Wales and what some say is the first major test of New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet and Labor leader Chris Minns. We've got the latest on the results and what impact COVID and postal voting has had. It's Sunday the 13th of February. You're watching Six News also tonight. Well, that's the sound of Six News Australia and that's the voice of Leonardo Puglisi. Leo, welcome to The Edict. Good to be here. Now... It's your first time on the pod, so I guess uh, in the intro I've, I've said part of the story, but let's hear the Leo Puglisi story. You're in Melbourne, you're in your teens, you're a fan of something called the Hawks, which is either a religious cult or a sports ball team or something. Oh, yeah, got to love the Hawks. No, I, um, yeah, I live in <laughs> Melbourne and, um, more, yeah, more, more specifically, I do, I do live in Hawthorne, so the football team uh, makes sense. Um, but no, it's um, oh, the, the story. It's 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 very interesting to use that term when you're only 14, 14 years old, yeah. um, which I do have to emphasise. And um, it's it's turning fifteen, but that's not till November. I've a um, fairly late birthday. Look, Six News. It's been around for um, approaching three years on March the twentieth, so um, relatively not that long. But if you think about how much has happened there. We've had the US election, the um, Black Lives Matter movement just uh. explode during 2020. That might be the um, wrong choice of words when you look at some of the um, violence that happened there. Well, but um, yes. Yeah. There was also the um, uh, 
uh, pandemic. That thing. Oh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've heard a bit about um, that. Yeah, it's yeah. it seems to have dominated the news for about two years. <sighs> um, but look, it's it's a whole team now. Six News. It's no longer just me, and it really just started as a um a good little passion project and now it's something that um is just so incredibly huge and will only continue to expand well that's that's promising uh i did see one story this must have been what three two three years ago when you're up at 6 a.m reporting on a school bell tower being demolished which i assume was that your school at the time uh, no, no, I had, um, it was the previous year there. That was, um, I, I went up to my, uh, uh, the school, which was my former school, my primary school, and uh, we had just heard that there may be there a, a, a demolition of this iconic bell tower. Um, and I say iconic for the term of anyone who's in a one-kilometre radius. Uh, for everyone else, <laughs> no one's ever heard of it. Uh, but somehow when I got up that morning, the 3, 3AW wanted me on, some managed to talk about that, and then somehow that went into getting on um, the front page of The Age, getting on Channel 9's afternoon news and getting on Sunrise on Channel 7, and I'm really not sure how that happened, but it, it, it just so <laughs> happened that way. And, um, yeah, it was def- definitely a weird thing for just a, a little minor story that we thought we'd do um, somehow turned into all that. I think, to be honest, their thinking is the star was not the bell tower so much as you. But I mean, that's the story, yeah. and obviously that's the the angle a lot of people go with. But how do you fit all this around your life? I mean, you've got a family. Clearly, we can we can hear one of them in the background a little a little bit, and that's fine. Well, you've got school, obviously. Uh, you like going to the footy, although that's only half the year. How, how do you fit this in? I'm not sure. Um, that's probably a bad answer, but look, I, I really don't know. I guess it, it, it was made a bit easier when you balance it out with school, when it's a lot easier to just do, um, a Zoom meeting on one tap and watch a live press conference on the other. Uh, but we are not in remote learning. I'm thankful for that. Let me, let me, as, as good as it was for six news and especially with the US election, um, for learning, wouldn't recommend, but I guess, yeah, I've, I think the only way that there's any balance um, instead of it just totally collapsing is down to two things. Now, one of those is having a um, growing team, which we do, and um, they've been great. And I think the the most important instance of that was when I went to school camp for four days, three nights, and the fifth Victorian lockdown happened. And I had no idea till I came back and they managed to cover it all. So, you know, it, it proves I don't need to be there for it to work efficiently. And I would say um, the other thing is scheduling stuff, like all the tweets on the Six News account on weekdays, bar breaking news. Um, you can almost be certain that is scheduled the morning or the night before. Mm. And it is, yeah. But I think we, we still manage to keep up to date, latest news, and we always have breaking news, which is probably one of our biggest, biggest focus. Well, I was going to ask, um, I mean, you've got the style and the visual grammar of uh, TV broadcast news down. That's that's a thing that you do. Uh, it's, it's to be quite frank, it's it's an easy style to imitate sometimes. It's very, the visual grammar of it. How does Six News differ from that? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I, I would say in some ways we are similar um, in terms of our 
our presentation and certainly some of our early inspiration uh, and, of course, the suit wearing. Got to keep that up. But <laughs> apart, apart, apart from that, I think we are fairly different because um, we our bullet. Let, let's go with our Sunday night bulletin, for example, right. which is it's always the latest news. It's not a week in review. It just so happens it only happens end of the week, and that's a logistics thing. Sure. Let's use that as an example. It is same as you would kind of see on an ABC News channel or a Sky News daytime thing. It is just top of the hour latest headlines, um, but it also contains a um, you know some traits from maybe the nightly news on commercial networks in that we'll also have those in-depth stories and we will have plenty of those. We have done some great ones and also some in-depth interviews. And so we take bits and bobs from different programs. We might take one thing from, you know, ABC News Daytime. We might take another thing from Channel 9. We might take another thing from Media Watch when it comes to our fact-checking, which we do a lot of. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to ask about the fact... We might as well ask about the fact-checking now. Um, that That is a thing and... Uh, Combining the fact checking with perhaps some more broader stuff, what's your favourite work so far? Oh, God, there's plenty. Um, I don't, I, I really couldn't tell you. There's just so many that I have enjoyed. And also, there are plenty that I haven't done myself, but the rest of the team has. There was this um, fabulous piece by our chief reporter, Conrad Fourcade, that he spent three months on this special investigation where he looked at the rise of teenage drug use and he spoke to multiple teenage drug users. He called a convenience store um, that was selling things like vapes. He did a fantastic job there and um, that actually won him a uh, bit of a prize from the University of Queensland of Memory Serves Me. Wow. So we actually can say Six News uh, has a team of award-winning journalists. Can't use the plural there, but we... we (laughs) Our reporting has won award. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's an award-winning network. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's a better way to put <laughs> that's, it. That'll that'll cover that. Um, now your technical setup there. Apart from uh, having a younger brother, uh, I can see the folded-up green screen to one side, which you know yep. we can make that look like anything. Uh, what else is there? We do actually have, or at least I do, an experience. I um a rented out room in this building which is effectively our studio which has a folded out plastic table as our desk Excellent. Um, a bunch yeah a bunch of lights from my um uh, dad's um photography thing because um v's business he takes some photos for himself and he'll he'll need the lighting and it just so happened a green screen came with that uh and just some, I don't mean to name drop, but, you know, just some uh, Rode microphones and for the camera, an iPhone. And it's fairly the same for the rest of our team. Some of them might have a, a room painted green on one side. Um, but really, our cameras, I, I would say for 90%, it's always just been an iPhone and it mm. has worked fairly well. Well, plenty of major news organisations use iPhones for their field reporters, particularly uh well, when they're working by themselves in uh, more remote locations. Look, there's some of the good side. Uh, let's come back in a moment and look at some of the weird things that have been happening. Mm-hmm. 
Is there no one too young for the cancel culture terrorists to censor and bully? Leo Puglisi should be admired for his get up and go. He's just 14 years old, but a couple of years ago, he founded his own media organization in Melbourne. It's called Six News and delivers 24-hour news coverage on social media, plus a YouTube bulletin every Sunday. Now, good on him. But Twitter activists of the left, like these Labor supporters, have been abusing him, calling him a fake, a liberal plant. Some even threatened to go to his school. Joining me is Leo Puglisi. Well, that was Andrew Bolt on Sky News last month, uh, putting the cancel culture uh, terrorists aside for the moment. Uh, let's look at the flip side of being in the media. Mr. Puglisi, is it true that you are a front for the Liberal Party? Is it true that you are a front for Rupert Murdoch? Are you a lizard, Mr. Puglisi? 100% yes. <laughs> oh, God. You hide it well. Mm. But seriously... Um, You've had some pretty weird claims made about you. Mm, yeah, and apart from the lizard one, I think uh, the rest of those two were stated by people in all seriousness. Yeah. Um, now, that's bizarre. Now, look, you've touched on it there, and, um, you know, that's why I decided to make a whole bingo featuring um, some of these claims, which you can find on my Twitter. There's a bit of a plug there. I'll definitely link to it. It's quite fun. And I see it's been already getting some use. Fantastic. Um, yeah, look, no, yeah, people have said, you know, I am I am controlled by a Liberal staffer or I am controlled by my parents. Uh, more specifically, they target my dad for some reason. Other things, I'm a front for a Liberals. I'm a Liberal plant. Um, they've attacked me because I happen to live in Hawthorne, which is part of Kuyong, a Liberal seat. But in the state elections in Victoria, it is a Labor seat. So if you could get any more neutral, you need to than make that, up your mind know. who's controlling yeah. you. Yeah. Mm. I will say, though, in an interview with MediaNet last year, which is the AAP's kind of media release factory. You said people in the media have all been really respectful, uh, although you said earlier sometimes they start off a bit condescending, but it's really the social media people you have to deal with. Is that mm. still the case? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, I, I don't think I've really had a bad experience with a, a mainstream journalist. They have all um, treated me, you know, with respect and, you know, um, even at when I went to this one press conference in 2020, the only one I've ever been to, you know, it was all fine. I was just there. It just so happened, in addition to being the reporter, I was also holding the microphone and managing the camera. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's fun. A, pr a proper VJ there. Uh, look, no, it definitely is social media and it's come from people who are adults uh, and should probably know better. But unfortunately, it seems whenever we say something that goes against whatever they want to believe, as factual as it is, they have just disputed it. There's two ways to, to respond to a fact check. There's, oh, I'm sorry, I'll delete the tweet. Let's use Twitter as an example there. Mm -hmm. Instead, you can just go, as many seem to have, no, you're wrong. You've misunderstood it. Actually, this is what's happened. No, you're saying this because you support insert political party here. So, yeah. And some of that has been, I've noticed, uh, the Australian Electoral Commission has uh, you know, had the flack against it being ramped up. You got caught up in that too, didn't you? Because you dared to actually say the AEC was right about how elections work. 
absolutely. And um, they were, and I stand by that fact check, that 100%. Oh, yes. um, I'd say almost two months on from that. Uh, so happy almost two month anniversary for that saga there. Um, yeah, look, I, the the AEC was right. There is no constitutional room to delay the election. Anthony Green, ABC, he was also right in saying that. Uh, we, we've had elections through, um, you know, World War Two. I'm pretty sure there were two held in World War Two. Um, so, look, there is absolutely no constitutional room. And yes, technically, we could have. A half, you know, election split where one's election, in May. Yeah. yeah, split election. One's in May. One's in September. Uh, I'm not a betting man. I'm not legally a man either. But I am willing to say that will not happen. <laughs> that would be political suicide for Morrison. That would be it. There will not be a second election. However, that can happen technically, very yeah. technically. But, but why would you? There is no constitutional power to just blatantly like, yeah, that, there's no reason to do it. Um, it it would just be that that would be it for Scott Morrison. Another uh, a group of your fans, of course, is MFW. I do have to mention them, the Mad Fucking Witches. Uh, now, the quick explanation is. And I, I think I've got this right. They began as a, a sort of, I mean, lobby group is too strong, but a group of people who were trying to get people to not advertise on Alan Jones, I think, in Sydney, uh, on 2GB and some Murdoch outlets. Yeah. And when Alan Jones did get sacked from 2GB, they took, they took credit for it. I mean... A lot of people were complaining. He was having defamation suits against him. And I think it was $9 million Alan Jones got paid. Um, and uh, uh, he wasn't getting that ad revenue. So anyway, they've t- they took credit. Then it's everything Murdoch does is evil. They said they would have an app. They raised over $100,000. The app didn't appear. Uh, and then eventually when it did appear, it was... Well, rubbish, let's just say. And that's still unfolding and they haven't really got their story straight. Yeah, look, and I'm sure I'll be accused of, of targeting them and I'm not I'm not this anti MFW person. Um look they I think they, they, they said it if I'm recalling correctly from their Facebook page, they started when uh, Dutton called the journalist a mad fucking witch, and it's it's good to be yeah, able which to... is uh, where they where they got the name from, wasn't it? It's good, yeah. It's good to be able to swear for once on a media outlet. And wasn't it Samantha Maiden? Yeah, no, I think it was Samantha Maiden. But look, and I know they took credit, or or so they took part of the credit for the Alan Jones thing. Um, even though in doing so, he did expand on Sky News, which, as we all know, led to the huge expansion on social media and his videos on YouTube, on Sky's channel, still some of their most highly viewed. So I, I don't know how successful that was. Um, that's subjective. But what was their problem with you then? Yeah, well, look, they didn't like me from about April 2021. Um, I got blocked from them. I got a bit of a, a weird DM. Um, I'm not going to say that because I don't believe in making these private DMs public and I will not. Um, okay. But, yeah, look, they... Something because because I tweet it and not report it because again it, I'm on a personal account and there's a six news account. Mm-hmm. I, I I tweeted about them having some kind of feud. I genuinely don't remember it because I might have deleted the post. Uh, some kind of feud with Tom the whistleblower, the guy who blew the thing about the um, 
Parliament House thing on Channel 10 to PVO. Um, and they didn't like that. They said I encouraged a pile on and That's despite the fact that back then I had maybe 5K followers at most. They mm. have about 40K. So I don't know how I can pile on them. Um, and still, they can't accuse me of piling on. They blocked me anyway. Um, I got unblocked after that. I was briefly followed back on one of their old accounts and quickly unfollowed after an hour. Um, currently blocked on their main after asking a question about their app or just stating that it was in development and look the the app isn't technically an app it's a website page mm-hmm. under as we speak right now it is password protected they've taken it down to quote unquote fix it and look they they I don't think they've spoken about me directly but certainly some of the, their fans or at least people have said that I am attacking them and they have drawn that into saying I attack women which is wrong and quite honestly defamatory and yeah look there's, there's nothing I don't know what else to add. It's just well, um, no. It's yeah. That, that, it, that's it, about it, the whole story. Kerfuffle is an excellent word, but we need a word that's like kerfuffle, but with more anger involved. It's it's uh, a confusion. Yeah, it's, uh, look, yeah I, I, I like to just say it's a um a bit of a uh, debacle. I think that's the, the debacle. Nice that's a great word. How has this changed your view of your fellow human beings? Um. Look, I. I mean, that's a good question. I definitely am, you know, suspicious might not be the right word, but we'll use it now. A bit more suspicious when I see uh, a question that may be a bit snarky because I seem to usually take them in good faith or Mm -hmm. time and respond in good faith. Um, Now I'm really wondering whether they're a good faith question or just another one of the attacks. And I, I do actually check to see... Um, whether they're followed by like one of two users who don't seem to like me, who mm-hmm. I will not name because I'm not going to give them any more infamy. Um, mm-hmm. And look, I, I, I guess I just I, I got to be careful, and um, it's it's unfortunate. But at the same time, there are more than sixteen thousand people following me on my personal account. I'd say more than. 11,000 of memory following six news. That's on Twitter alone. And so I think there's a fairly supportive group of people, not just supportive of me and, you know, defending everything I say, because I welcome constructive criticism. Six news would not be where we are at without constructive criticism, but we will not take attacks. We will not take personal attacks. So, yeah. You're still very positive after all that. So on that note, we will take a break and do the housekeeping. Well, dear listener, as you know, this is the summer series of The Edict and there's two episodes to go after this one. The next one uh, will be with Hexagon enthusiast and all-round geek and and digital rights advocate Justin Warren. Uh, We're going to be looking at, uh, well, uh, some of the news with ASIO this week, the big review of uh, the intelligence community and and, uh, brain implants. We all want a brain implant, don't we? So if you want to have some input into that, bad luck, it's too late. We've already recorded it and that episode will appear this coming Wednesday. And then after that, uh, Scottish author, I feel the Scottish angle is important here, Scottish author, podcaster, social researcher and karaoke superstar, I am told that is a thing, 
David F. Porteous. Uh, his new novel is The Wicker Man Preservation Society, uh, but I've started reading his first novel, Singularity, um, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm about a fifth of the way in, 20% of the way in, according to uh, Kindle. So that one is uh, – we're recording on Tuesday morning Australian time, so if you have trigger words or a conversation topic for that, you'll need to get them to me uh, by, let's say, Monday, Monday the 21st of February, 5 p.m. I know that's not very far away, but do get them in, uh, and then that episode will appear uh, later in the week. Before the end of summer anyway, that's why there's this big burst because administrative summer uh, finishes at the end of February. This podcast is, of course, supported by you, dear listener. It is your fault, roughly. So for this episode, I want to thank Ben McLaughlin, the ever-generous Simon Harris and Warren McDonald for their contributions, for their tips, which they made at the 9pmedic.com slash tip. And, of course, it's also thanks to all of the people who contributed to the 9pm Summer Series 2022 as listed on the website and previously mentioned. So, yes, if you'd like to uh, join these people, please go to the 9pmedict.com slash tip. Uh, you can, can if you uh, contribute sufficiently by trigger words, conversation topics. Uh, I should come up with a few other things we can do in the pod. Oh, I've just thought of one. I'll think it through a bit better and get back to you. And indeed, now I'll get back to Leo. Time for some trigger words, I think, Leo. And as regular listeners uh, to The Edict will know, this is the glass jar of transparency, which needs a wash, but it contains folded up pieces of paper. Each one contains a word sent in by a supporter in the hope that it will trigger a conversation. We will draw one out shortly, but, young man, we have two here that have been sent in specifically for you, which Ooh, is... Interesting. It is, it is. Uh, Silvano's taking it very seriously, I think. Hi, Silvano. It's a bit of a regular narrative. It's a very good one. Very Isn't good it word. in the context um, of news? When, when I think um, if you if you combine or if you got a list of ten words that relate to media online narrative, it'd probably be number one. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Look, narrative's a good word in in a lot of ways. It can also be a bit of a bad one when it comes to media. Look, I, I, I always enjoyed writing in school. I've made no secret of that, and I still do. Um, although we do less of it now. Um, mm. Look, I, I enjoyed writing narrative stories and it was about telling a story. Now, in a way, we still do that in news, uh, except it's it's less so going and making one up, but you've, you've still got to follow. You've still got to um, look at, you know, set out the, the settings and set the scene. You've got to have the, um, the, the main issue and you've got to look at the end for a resolution in some stories. Um it's and then at the same time there's also whether you're going with the narrative now we have tried our best to not be this you know covid hysteria fear-mongering outlet early on last year we um we stopped reporting cases as breaking news as regularly we did a wrap-up then we stopped that wrap-up then we we mainly focused on hospitalizations and icu now i 
don't think we mentioned them at all. I cannot think of the last time I toyed about COVID cases. So narrative's definitely a, a hugely important mm. word with the media. Have you ever seen, and I don't know whether we'll use this bit, have you ever seen the classic Australian television series Frontline by Working yes, Dog? Yes, absolutely, yes. Love it. <laughs> Fantastic That's the biggest show. smile we've had. To have. Yeah, indeed. It, it, it's still, I rewatched it all recently. I'm and so glad it's on Netflix. I am yes. so, so glad. Um, it, no, it is fantastic. And um, I, I I think a, a, lot, of, a lot of it's fa- fairly... Um, interesting to see when it comes to you know what angle of questions or mm. um or, or definitely um we all love network management which is still you know you always hear about the behind the scenes gossip of tv networks um fantastic show absolutely fantastic <laughs> one that came to mind in the context of narrative is the desert angel or desert devil narrative where a woman had been lost in the desert found after however many days alone in the desert uh, Frontline got an interview with her, but then she got Harry and Miller as her agent and, and, and the story went to Channel 9 instead. So here's what happened in the Frontline office. Bob Morrison shows, proving me wrong. <laughs> We've lost her. Aww. What? Current affair. How much? 75 grand. We're going to get money. Just because Mr Miller does not give us the right for an interview does not mean we can't do a story. We're going to spoil it. You bet your ass. Okay, people, we want a story on the Desert Angels tonight. Right, another angle. Now, we can't interview her and we can't get near her. Brooke? Maybe the angel has a darker side. Does she have a darker side? I'd work. I'd school captain. Consider becoming a nun. We know she's got a boring song. <laughs> Nothing about tabletop dancing. Well, hey, come, come on, come on. Come on. We're on to something. You know, when you think about it, five weeks in 40-degree heat, no supplies... Does that sound sus to you? It sounds sus to me. Sounds real sus to me. So we do a James Scott on it. We can't have a go at her. We don't have to. We get someone else to do that. Grab an expert. Get him to ask a few pertinent, if somewhat ambiguous questions. I believe I'm hearing What religion is she? Latter-day Saints. Very good. We had a canonizer 20 minutes ago. Hey, that was before we heard about the shonky stuff. Now we're finding out about the real Desert Angel. Cut a promo. Look, this is disgusting. We haven't done the story yet. When has that stopped us? Tonight on Frontline. Mm-hmm. Growing doubts. Growing doubts over Aussie aid worker, some actuality, and then... Desert Angel or Desert Devil. Beautiful. That's my girl. Thank you. She's now Desert Devil. Is she a fraud? How could she survive yeah. out there? None of it based on any facts whatsoever, but that's mm. the story. You have to have winners and losers. Goodies and baddies. Well, look, we 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 we, we try to avoid that kind of thing, yeah. but at the same time, in a way, um, when we do our in-depth interviews on Uncensored, we always try to, you know, in a way, we, we, we try not to think of narratives too much. But if we do, we think, okay, but both sides of the story, even if it's you know a story like that, we think where could they be coming from? Where could we? We always look at the facts, and then the good thing about these unedited, un- uncensored interviews is that we get the time to actually ask this. We don't mm. have a. a half an hour or actually on commercial TV networks, maybe 18-minute slot um, to ask this kind of stuff. Interesting, though, both sides of the story and yet fact-checking, there is only one fact. Mm. There's not another side to a fact once you've found it's a fact. Uh, That's a tricky one in the media. Thank you, Silvano, for that. That was a nice little journey. Kate Carruthers. Hi, Kate. A sent in fizz gig. Now, I had to look that up and I wasn't sure, 
Uh, it was, as I first thought, the second definition we're going with, which is a firework or whirling top that fizzes as it moves, um, because the other meanings are a frivolous or flirtatious girl. Uh, or I, do, is, I, I wouldn't say that relates to this, no. No, we'll skip that. Uh, in Australian slang, a police informer, which was a new one to me, a grass in the sense, and, and another one like a variant of fish gig. Now, a fish gig, which I always... I always knew as a jag is one of those little fishing lures with a couple of rings of barbs at one end uh, used particularly for catching squid. But a firework or whirling top that fizzes as it moves, what does that trigger? Uh, I don't know because I have not heard that word until about 30 seconds ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's very inter- – and it was interesting to hear all the definitions for it. I mean um, – well, what was that? I think you said four there. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely a word that could be used, um, you know, in a lot of senses. And you know, I don't know whether police informer involves reporting <laughs> tweets for misinformation to Twitter equals police. There, I I, I really don't know. Um, look. Uh, a, a firework, a, a twirl. The, the fizzes, the fizzing part is fizzes. you know the fireworks that go as opposed to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those things. Um, yeah. No, I, yeah. And apparently you can get spinning tops, the toys you that can. will do that. They'll oh, hum, you get yeah. humming ones and fizz-sounding ones. For people who've just encountered uh, your work, it must seem like it's an overnight thing that you're on Andrew Bolt the other week. Oh, my God, that's proper television. But it's not. You've been doing this for several years. Um you yeah. know, I watched you on the Andrew Bolt thing, and and although I suspect you're a little nervous, you looked a bit nervous. I the only reason I was ner- and was less so because of Andrew Bolt himself, although mm. I, I wouldn't say that exactly calmed the nerves. Um, it's because <laughs> I, I had never done a live television interview, ah. um, and also weirdly, I I only had an audio feed. So oh, yes. I could only hear him. So I, I didn't That's know. That's normal, yeah. Yeah, and so I actually didn't know what lower thirds they'd use, so I didn't know what they'd spin there. I didn't know what tweet they'd use from a certain infamous user who I will, again, not name. Um, it was it was a very interesting experience. Mm. Um, but, no, I wouldn't say it's an overnight thing. We've been regularly on meter outlets, whether that's big or small, podcast, radio, TV, newspaper, so much, and I, I don't think, um, I, I don't think that will will change or stop. And I think it's moving into less so being about, um, you know, how did you get into this, and all the all, all the questions that I probably got, you know, almost every week for the first two years, into um, where you're moving forward and the actual stories we're doing, and also the perspective of a young person with a lot of issues. That. That is a very important thing. And on the previous work, I will say I, I caught a little bit of an interview you did with the podcast Uncommon, uh, which they'd clipped out and put on YouTube, which was about um, tips for spotting misinformation. So, again, I suggest people go and watch that. So thank you, Kate. Uh, yes, we've got time to draw one from the glass jar. And... The suspense is killing me. <laughs> Oh, no. Well, this one is from Shane Perris, who's been a supporter of the pod for ages. And it says just here, random draw, which means I go to randomword.com. 
<laughs> oh, God, the suspense. And literally uh, punched the button. How does the internet work? Here we go. Ran- oh, yeah, I'll make this shorter. Random word. <laughs> the word that's come up is age, would you believe? Oh, God. That's, no, Have we I talked about that's... that enough? Shall I hit the button again? Yeah, mate. Maybe hit it again. Don't want to. Don't want to rig it. But um, I th- I think about as much has been said about my age that could be said. Exactly. <laughs> Presidency. Oh God. Um. That that definitely <laughs> sparks a bit of a conversation. Um. I mean, look. I would say if we're if we're talking about the um United States presidential race of twenty twenty two, I mean that was just. You mean twenty twenty. By the way, twenty twenty. Oh my god! What am there I saying? Twenty twenty. I'm being fact checked. Fantastic. <laughs> um, no, tw- the twenty twenty presidential race. Um, it was the biggest story outside the pandemic we've probably ever covered. It was just, you know, a huge expansion. We brought on a U.S. correspondent that year. We had our chief reporter, the then chief reporter Jack Hahn, who, by the way, is now at Channel Nine. So talk about, oh, cool. you know. Yeah, six six denies just flipped the logo and um on his mic and then <laughs> take away got three of the dots. Run. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um but look, um that yeah, it was a huge story. We got plenty of guests for that. Um an ex Kansas State Senator, Donald Betts, he was a regular guest. And um it was the first time we also went live too. We did regular live streams on Instagram where as you'd expect, we fact-checked both Biden and Trump on their debate claims. Nice. Um, I went live in a supermarket in the middle of that race when Trump tested positive, uh, which was a very interesting experience. And then, of course, we inevitably did a live stream on the day it happened. I got the day off school. It just so happened that the internet provider we've got eye in it decided to have a blackout. Just as the interview started on uh, on one o'clock Eastern, exactly, it was cut. I had to scramble. I had to get my dad's phone and hotspot for the rest of the night. Um, it destroyed our coverage. I'm so thankful, though, because it was coming from Sydney. It was coming from our team in Sydney. It wasn't being directed by us in Melbourne. If it had been directed by us in Melbourne, that'd be it. Yeah. But I think it went really, really well for the technology we had. I didn't even have a, a, a proper microphone or even a backdrop um, with the green screen at the time. So I think for what we had, it'll be fairly good. And in a way, it was our test run for, and I think we'll be talking about this a bit later, the federal election that we're having this year. So yeah. Indeed, we will be. Uh, thank you, by the way, Shane Perris. Thank you, mate. Uh, we will indeed be speaking about the federal election next. The latest news poll hasn't done the government any favours this close to an election. The latest news poll shows the coalition is still on track for a heavy defeat. It means Labor maintains its largest polling lead since the 2018 Liberal leadership spill. It essentially confirmed the previous fortnight's 12% lead was not an outlier. Kevin Bonham has tracked the survival of other governments who have gone on to win despite having two consecutive polls where the gap was this big or even worse. Now, the shortest route to recovery was John Howard back in 2004. He was in the same predicament seven months from the election. And you know, in 2019, Morrison was lagging this badly too, but it was eight months out from facing the people. 
The difference now is the Prime Minister only has three months to turn things around, so he is in a much weaker position. That's Paul Bongiorno, of course, from the Saturday paper on Friday's uh, 7am podcast. I love the title of that episode, Scott Morrison Hits the Panic Button, which he Mm. kind of has this week. Uh, Yes, federal election, Leo. Uh, Tell us, before I forget, tell us about your plans for Six News. So much to cover. Um, Look, we've we've already essentially started it. And basically from 1st of January, we went into election mode. We... Uh, our politics segments for Australian politics, they now are branded Australia Decides Election mm-hmm. 2022. We've got a whole section on our website, 6newsau.com, for that. Look, what we are planning to do is essentially we want to rival all the networks. Now, that sounds very ambitious, it, but yes. I think I think we can do it. Now, number one, um, we are on a platform that is digital first. We are a digital first platform. We are not streaming from another outlet. You know, we're not going from TV on ABC that happens to also stream on YouTube. We are made for the digital age. And in addition to having our regular interviews on Uncensored and also our fact check segments, which will mostly be about the election, I'm sure, um, we will be really analysing these issues. We have a political reporter, Roman McKinnon, and on the night we are expecting, and no, nothing's 100% set in stone, but from maybe around about 6pm Eastern, we will begin our our live coverage. Now, that is when 7 and 9 in the Eastern States actually go to a regular news bulletin. So while they're on the regular news, we'll start our coverage. So we're about half an hour ahead there. Ah. We'll go, we'll, we're aiming to go all night. We'll have a special bulletin the next day on Sunday, and we will be bringing live results. Graphics will also be reading social media posts out loud because we won't just have it on like some networks. We won't just have it scrolling on the ticket. We'll actually say what's being said because... Because that's um, also a hell of a lot easier to do. Well, yeah, it is. But (laughs) at the same time, you know, we we always want to say your voices are being heard and we'll actually put a voice to those words and say it because um, people aren't just Twitter users. In the case of Australians, they are also constituents. So they clearly have, might have something interesting to say and I'm, I'm sure they will and I, I am, I'm just hoping I, I, I won't fall for any, um, anything, a, a BOFA, a LIGMA, a SUGMA or any of, any of those comments. I, the good thing about, I'm getting a bit off track here, but the good thing about being a 14-year-old journalist is you don't fall for that kind of stuff because you're the one making those jokes. <laughs> Very good point. Well, as someone who, who has yet to vote... Um, how does all this look to you? The campaigning, I mean, given that as we've heard, yeah, we're in campaign mode now. We're seeing the let's let's do the soft interview at Kirribilli House. Let's uh, do a speech at the National Press Club. All of that, it's on. Mm, it is absolutely on. And um, look, as I, as I said earlier, I am in the seat of Kuyong and we have, um, you know, never had a Labor member, if memory serves me correctly. And I think you're right. Yeah, I, I th- we, there's definitely been non-liberals. I don't think there's ever been a um, a, um, a a Labor, and that's for whatever reason. Now, last election was was very interesting because we had um, 
the the Greens Julian Burns side come come second on a two candidate preferred thing, um, and so look, it'll be interesting to see what Monique Ryan does. I, I just don't think that even if people and and again, I I am speaking purely from an apolitical basis. Yep, but uh, Monique Ryan, sorry, we sure she's an independent. Ah, but so yeah, one of the she, new sort yeah. of ones that are associated yeah, with Simon yeah, she's Holmes' an independent. She yep. yeah, she was a Labor member three years. Um, focused on climate, um, as, as a few of those other independents are from one of those, you know, voices groups. Um, and, look, I think it'll be it'll be very interesting because even if, as some people have said, um, majority of people in Kuyong might agree with the values Labor holds, the name Labor, I, I don't think that could, mm. could win a seat for whatever reason. Now, again, look, look my parents, neither of them grew up in the seat of Hawthorne, maybe my actually my dad might have, but uh, I know for sure my mum didn't grow up in the seat of Hawthorne on state level or Kuyong on a federal level. So you kind of say, you know, they've learned from their grandparents, yada yada yada, or they've learned from their parents. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a hugely interesting thing to watch, and I'll be on the ground. I've done it. I did it in 2019 too, back in the very early days. We we're about two months oh, old okay. then, and I was outside of of polling booths, and I was actually I actually spoke to the the state member. Um, John Kennedy, because he had just come off on a Labor win for the first time in decades on a state level. That so, was yeah, an amazing election landslide, wasn't it? I don't know how that happened. Um, well, lobsters, mate, lobsters. Yeah, well, that, that's one thing. But uh, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, you know, Hawthorne going to Labor, um, I think a lot of people thought that would set up Kuyong going to oh, okay. Labor or at least not Liberals, um, because, and I'm, I've actually got the list up now, yeah, it's, it's been Liberals since 45 when Robert Menzies switched from UAP, which again is the old UAP, yeah, the, to Yeah, the real Liberal. one, in a sense. Yeah, I know, and, oh, God, I'm, I'm sick of the claims that those he was a former UAP leader that Craig Kelly said. That, that is false. That is, yeah. Um, yeah, every other party has been, you know, anti-socialist, nationalist, liberal union, all these non-parties. But, um, yeah, I think even if people thought the Hawthorne win for Labor would set up a liberal loss in Kuyong 2019, didn't happen, maybe that could happen in 2022. And I'm sure people will say, I'm not saying this from a perspective that I want it to happen necessarily. I'm saying it from a purely political analyst. I actually live in Kuyong perspective. And it, look, it would be interesting very interesting, and it would imply a lot about the the change in the political mood. And in for the, seat, the deputy certainly. leader of the Liberal Party and the, and the treasurer to lose his seat, I mean, that 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 might be one of the um, you know big, biggest losses for a, a senior federal Liberal since maybe Howard lost his seat. I would say. Indeed. Well, we have been looking at the betting odds. You've said you're not a, a betting man, or not a man yet. I, young man, whatever. Um, but. Over the months, uh, we've been asking people whether the betting market they think is right or at least what they think will happen, crystal ball time. A few months back, yeah, it was flipping between Labor and Coalition as the punters' favourites, but for some weeks now, it's settled down into a very clear preference for Labor in the betting market. At Sportsbet, the price has gone down from $1.80 for a Labor win to the $1.30s. Uh, it's stayed in the, the low $1.30s for weeks now. As we record this on the afternoon of the 18th of February, Friday afternoon, it's $1.35 for a Labor win, $3 for a Coalition win, $41 for 
a prime minister from any other party, which is hilarious. That it's I not going to happen. That's I said not it the happen. other day. Someone said Craig Kelly is a possible PM. Yeah. Um, so essentially, it's what does that translate as? It's twice as likely that Labor will win as the Coalition will win. I'm pretty sure that's what they said in 2019, but look how that turned uh, out. Yes, yes, yeah, it is look, indeed. I'm I'm presuming they didn't specify whether they're talking about a minority or majority government. No, there's a separate book on that. Yeah, because I'd be I, I I I wouldn't say for any specific party, but I would say, and of course, this is hard to tell because of the Liberal National Coalition, um, and. For, for the record, for some people, there isn't exactly a Labor-Greens coalition. We spoke to Adam Bant. He, mm. you know, he said he'd be willing to. Labor said they're not willing to. So I Yeah, so that's not going to happen. Well, yeah. it's not going to happen until they decide it'll get them into government and then it will. Yeah, it, it only works in the ACT on a territory level, it seems. It's the one place that actually, mm. it actually works, and it has worked for like a decade. Uh, but, look, I, 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 I wouldn't trust the betting odds now that – that does look fairly strong, and I don't know. I'm not a punter, so I don't know whether the odds or whoever's making the odds has uh, improved on however they get their data from 2019. This is the thing. At an agency like Sportsbet, the odds are calculated on um, who's betting on which side. So if someone puts up a huge bet for, um, say, the coalition to win, that, that will lower the price that uh, anyone else will get from that point on because they're going to have to cover uh, the the losses from the money they get from the people who bet on Labor. So it's kind of a, an algorithmic process. I'm, I'm glad um, you explained that because I think people would get suspicious of a 14-year-old knew all the details of betting. I think I um, <laughs> think the only time I do, we do a family bet. We chuck in $2 in a hat on Melbourne Cup Day. That's it. Yeah. Um, uh, ne- yeah. Never bet on the Melbourne Cup. Too many good hoods. I, I actually at one point shared a house with a guy whose sole source of income was betting on the horses. And, and just, uh, well, he said, don't, don't bet on the Melbourne Cup because, you know, there's too many horses in the Melbourne Cup which are all very, very good. It's going to be hard to tell between them well yeah. we do it as a random thing though we um we oh, cut okay. out the night na- yeah we put oh the is there a switch we- state yeah we yep. cut them out from the herald sun paper and um you know we just pick out four randomly um um usually it ends up someone's got three because one's you know ended up not doing it by the time you know it actually is happening um but looking back, back to the federal election Sorry, I, yes, I, and I, I have got yeah, the figures in front of me here. Um, dollar sixty for a Labor majority, but then it's uh, a Labor majority government. Uh, Four seventy five for Labor minority. Four twenty for Liberal National really? Coalition minority. Uh, Four seventy five for a, a majority uh, coalition one. So it's it's again pretty clear for a majority Labor government. But we're three months out. Well, I was I I, I was really thinking. Labor minority, to be honest, um, and I, I, I wonder because I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a wave of minor parties and independents. Now, whether that is the on the right or more of the the you know the you know the the freedom anti mandate parties, or whether it's those climate ones, ICAC one. Although to be That's fair, a, a lot of the um a lot of the even UAP you know Craig Kelly's been calling for a federal ICAC. Um, so it really depends on which way the miners go, and of course, it could be different in the Senate to the House of Reps. Well, yes. Um, yeah, it's it's. I, 
there's so there's so many candidates and there's so many and we're trying to interview them because we really want to look at the minor parties and the independents a lot now and now i'm sure that'll get us inevitably some backlash if we interview you know someone from maybe i don't know the lib dems um although we have before we interviewed david limbrick who's running for federal senate he's the current state mp in victoria um i i i don't think I've reached out to Craig Kelly yet, um, although at the same time there's, there's plenty I'd just ask via email, including why you falsely claim Robert Menzies was a former Prime Minister of your party. That, again, that is false. And I'm pretty sure as um, the descendants of Menzies and Lyons said, no, don't do this, this is bad and wrong. And they said that in, like, 2018. I, again, I don't want to make a certain prediction. I mean, this isn't going to be my final prediction because I will make one. But if I had to choose right now, I would say Labor minority government with an expanded crossbench. Aha. Well, on that note then, that is interesting. Lee Gleasy, thanks very much for your time today. That's That's been fascinating. And, uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, really, really good to chat. And also appreciate the correct pronunciation of my surname. That is something... Um, I usually have to get asked about. So oh, the pug, Puglisi, not Puglisi. Yeah, oh, no, no, well, pug, Puglisi is fine. Puglisi or, or Puglisi is also fine. Puglisi is the technical pronunciation that um, none of us really use in the family. Um, but, yeah, you, you seem to got it, got it all right. And thank <laughs> you. I mean, I, I've been called Leonard or Leon too, so um, oh, good to get the first name right. We'll start with that too. <laughs> one, one thing at a time. Leo, well, thanks well, very much. For you, I only have to worry about one name for you. <laughs> thanks very much. No, good to be here. Well, wasn't that a fantastic conversation? I, I think I just learned more about Kuyong than I, I ever thought I needed to know. That was just fantastic. One thing I must confess to is that earlier up, you might have heard that Leo said he wouldn't fall victim to Bofa, Ligma and Etna. I had no fucking idea what he was talking about. Uh, So I've looked it up and I found it at urbandictionary.com. So apparently Bofa is the first stage of a verbally transmitted disease. It's usually non-fatal and asymptomatic, However, once it progresses to stage two, which is ligma, it's extremely dangerous. Stage three, commonly referred to as etma, is incredibly uncommon due to the ligma's astronomical fatality rates of 99.87% and thusly has never been observed in laboratory conditions. So basically that's a... a that's a young person's thing on the internet, which I had no idea about. I was so embarrassed, but that's great. Um, I am uh, literally four times Leo's age and and a bit, um, and I think it's just fantastic that someone in their teens is showing such phenomenal professionalism. Did you hear how he signed off? He said, good to be here, and... He signed off the same way when he was on uh, Sky News with Andrew Bolt. Now, anyone who does a, a like a lot of media work soon develops some stock phrases in their head because you can just like press a mental button and, and it comes out of your mouth. You don't have to think about it. Mine, like when I'm signing off on radio, I often go, 
my pleasure anytime. Uh, you know, and it's good. Like, he's got one already. That's fantastic. I will say that Leo has uh, received, like, this is crazy. This is fucking crazy. He's received, imp- like, implied death threats from neo-Nazis in the United States. It is, well, I think the United States. It's just insane. And for him to maintain his positive attitude and professionalism in the face of all that is just excellent. Uh, If you want to check him out, like, obviously all the links are on the website, 6newsau.com. Just look for 6 News Australia um, on on the YouTube. Uh, They've got a Patreon going, so do... Do please support them, and I, I'm really intrigued to see what they do on election night. I'll be watching that. I really will. That's the edict for now. Uh, do check out 6 News Australia on, on the Sheep Tunnel. Uh, the links to everything are at the 9pmedict.com. Go there and go to slash tip to like, subscribe and, and, you know, tip, send money. The next episode will be in just a few days with Justin Warren. Until then, I'm still Gerian. Wash your hands. And before I go... Yeah, look, before I go, while I was editing this episode, friend of the pod, Jono Ferguson, tweeted uh, that if you read Leo's bingo card of complaints in the style of a beat poem, it's deeply, deeply funny. Okay, well, let's let's give that a go. Who's funding it? How is it possible? The parents should... Oh, hates Labor. Mini mainstream media should play video games. Piling on. Fact check the LNP. He's a liberal. Doesn't he have school? Tweeting in class. Lives in Hawthorne Kooyong. He doesn't look young. Who are his parents? All for likes and clicks. Hates women. This is an adult platform. Back in my day... What personal account? This is not journalism. Brings up his name, race, private schoolboy, liberal staffer controls account, parents control account, all for likes and clicks. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.